welcome back to Dynasty Kings. I'm Luke, and the kid who's too cool to jewel is Kyle. And today, <laughs> we will be talking all things running back. You know, there were a lot of explosive running backs that came out of this draft. And I think that going forward in your fantasy leagues, you're going to see some guys go way, way up. You're going to see some guys go way, way down. And I think we got to start with talking about established running backs who are safe after the draft. Kyle, why don't you get us started? Yeah, of course. Uh, happy to be back again for episode five. Things are rolling wrong really well, so let's just hop right in. I think Leonard Fournette was a big winner of this year's draft. Jacksonville, I guess, decided to not bring in a running back again, which kind of shocked me because I think right before the draft, you heard all these rumors come out that Jacksonville was thinking about moving Fournette, and he had that whole situation happen where he basically said uh, he wants Cam Newton and not Gardner Minshew. So that was a whole other uh, head for the team so I just was very shocked they didn't bring anybody in I know Raquel Armstead is in there so a bunch of dynasty guys I know have him marked as potentially having a role this year but honestly nobody coming in that room just means a big win for Fournette he had a monster year last year he was good in the passing game it was his best season hands down and I could see it happening again easily yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I do think Fournette has fantasy value and I don't I think he gets slept on. I mm-hmm. do think I do think that he's in the conversation for like top 8 fantasy backs in in leagues. You know, it sucks cuz he's not very good at receiving and he's had trouble in the past staying on the field. But when the guy's on the field and they feed him the ball, he is a bona fide stud. I do think that Armstead will one day be in that job, though. I do think Fournette is out of there. I think after his comments about Minshew mm-hmm. and them not pulling the trigger on Camp Newton, it's kind of sealed, sealed the deal, and I think Fournette kind of wanted that as well. I think he's done with Jacksonville, and if I was any player on Jacksonville, I might be done with them as well. I've heard rumors that he's going to go to my Seahawks. I'd be so happy with that because I'm not – I'm not confident in Chris Carson. I'd be more confident in Penny than Carson going forward. But if we could score for net, I'd be over the moon. There's no way our offense isn't in the conversation for one of the best in the leagues. I do think, though, that he stays as a, as a, a high-end RB2 in most leagues. And I don't think there's a way that he drops off after this draft. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And funny thing to note about that, you mentioned Chris Carson, the Saddle Seahawks. Um Fournette doesn't fumble the ball. He had like two fumbles his rookie year and was zero after that for the most part and one while, I guess, catching last year. He's basically the opposite of Chris Carson. Mr. Can't hold on to the ball at all. (laughs) Man, and that is what the Seahawks need. Now, I'm going to – I want to talk about a guy who I don't think is getting enough attention. I think this guy won the best out of the draft, not because they didn't bring anybody in, but because who they got rid of. And I think that's Raheem Mostert from the 49ers. He is a little older. He's 28, so you could say that his age is a little concerning. But they have tabbed him as the guy after a super strong back half of the 2019 season. They moved Bur- uh, Matt Beretta, Burita, Burita. Burrito. Uh, and so that's just showing confidence in what they think they have in their backfield. And not to mention, people don't talk about this enough, but 
he only he was a monster in the limited role he saw in the receiving game in 14 receptions 180 yards that's pretty impressive for a running back who didn't catch a lot of passes you know what there is concerns about him not like Tevin Coleman is there however i think Coleman is a lot of hype i think that Coleman is a guy who should have been something 2 years ago he had the opportunity didn't do it went to the niners couldn't do it and i think if i'm the 49ers you're like okay this guy's going to be a solid rb2 but he will never be our rb1 yeah i couldn't agree more i think the one thing i will say about the niners it's funny they paid tevin coleman they paid uh jarek mckinnon and yet the best running back on their roster is raheem mostert who i don't even know how much he makes but it can't be a lot like they paid both those guys upwards of like you know, a good amount of money for a running back and both of them. McKinnon hasn't even, I don't even know if he's touched the field since 2018 when they signed him like on that three-year deal and the hype train was rolling in. And then the same thing basically happened with Coleman the next year, the hype train rolled in and then Raheem Moster was just like, Hey, you remember me? I'm still, you know, hanging <laughs> around here. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just, it's a funny situation. He, he's never really been given the reins. So I kind of hope that the Niners do, because I'd like to see what he could do with them. Yeah, you know what? I do think that he could be their workhorse. I really do, both in the receiving game and the passing game. I don't think, honestly, Coleman and McKinnon are going to pose as much of a threat to him as people think. I honestly do think that the threat to him is going to be Jeffrey Wilson. Mm. And that's that's you know what? That's a hot, hot, hot take. But in the limited capacity that that guy saw on the field, he did pretty damn well, and he was a great change of pace back for them, especially in third-down situations. So it wouldn't be surprising if he starts competing with him, in my, with Mostert, in my opinion, and starts really, really like going at him for touches. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all, man. That whole situation is a little murky, but I do like Mostert the most as far as Niner packs go. Uh, this next guy coming up has been somebody who I have rostered in a bunch of leagues, and I think I'm going to pump the brakes on selling the guy because of what happened in this draft. James Conner, uh, I think, was a big winner of this draft. The only running back they took was Anthony McFarland, who I'm personally not high on at all. Uh, uh-uh. He's got slow cuts. He needs so much space in order to do anything, and he's got a really crappy set of vision, in my opinion. If Connor can stay on the field, he is going to have an insane year, in my opinion. Big Ben being back is huge. Connor is the type of guy who thrives in the passing game. I think that with Big Ben back, you could see him going over a thousand yards and maybe 500 receiving. No joke. The problem with Connor is health. And that's the same problem that Bell had too. So it, it must be a Steelers running back thing. But if he stays on the field, I think he's a high end RB two for sure. Um, or just a lock RB two for sure. And I think, he has RB1 upside for sure as well because he can have multiple t- touchdown games, and he's shown that in the past. And if Ben's back and Ben's himself again, I like Connor a lot this season. Yeah, you know, I do like Connor to a degree. You know, I've said something about Juju, and I think I, it ties to Connor as well. So when I've been going after Juju in leagues, I've been actually going at him in a I – will, I will buy, but I will buy low. I won't overpay for exactly. Juju. And and I think that kind of relates to James Conner in the moments as well. That's why I think I agree with you when you say he's a hold. 
Just because I think they have something to prove, both guys, but especially James Conner, because they have to prove that they can be good with or without Big Ben playing quarterback. And I think, especially in the case of James Conner, whether you want to call it injuries or whatnot, I think it kind of proved that Big Ben really does make a difference for him. However, you know what? He did average four yards per carry in in that in that injury riddled 2019 season. And they, you could say they weren't feeding him the the rock enough, but then that kind of ties into what I said about the 49ers is. I think the Steelers also kind of want to see what they have with Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell. And I think Connor has to be really careful that if he doesn't play his best ball possible, I think you're going to see Snell especially, mostly just because I own him a lot and I'm really high. <laughs> but I think, you're, I think you're going to see the guys behind him start to get more touches if Connor doesn't pick it up. Yeah, for sure. All right, now... Talking guy, we're going to switch it up here. This is a guy who doesn't necessarily have to worry about touches, but more so what they brought in to support him. That's Joe Mixon. And you might be saying, hey, Luke, what are you talking about, man? Like, Joe Mixon, he's already one of the best guys out there. I I agree. I think arguably one of the top five fantasy running backs right now. He's been fire in his first three seasons. In his rookie season, he showed some potential. And then he just went boom and skyrocketed in 2018 and 2019. He started off slow in 2019 and really, really picked it up when it mattered. I think now that they've brought in the quarterback of the future and another wide receiver to complement Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, they are building a pass game that's going to take a lot of stress off of this guy in the run game, leading to... Mixon still having workhorse value, but because of the passing game threat that they're trying to develop, it'll make it easier for him to gain yards because hopefully they'll be having to now scheme for the pass game and not just shut down the run game that the Bengals have. He is an lock RB1. Should be going first round in most of your startup drafts or, or you know, dividing up assets, whatever you want to call it. He should be going in that first round, in my opinion, or at least early second. I think he'll do extremely well now, and he's going to exceed, especially as a safety valve in the backfield for Burrow when plays break down. Because God knows, with that horrendous offense that Zach Taylor deploys, plays break down a lot. Yeah, I like... um... I like Joe Mixon a lot. I'm buying him a lot. I like his price tag too. Um, I've gotten him pretty late in some leagues, like end of second, and I've gotten him pretty early in other leagues. I just, I really like the guy. Um, People kind of are sleeping on him because of his slow start last year, but I think he's a bona fide workhorse from top to bottom. Oh yeah, easily. I do think, I do agree with you when you say that, that he is definitely... A workhorse. I I can I say he's a workhorse in the same capacity that I'd say Nick Chubb is a workhorse. I think like those two are very similar in the ways that they play. 
Um, the only difference is, is that Nick Chubb never beat the crap out of a girl in the subway, which, by the way, I don't think people talk about enough with Mixon. Yeah, well, it seems like every other player has something like that in their past at this point. <laughs> God, man, the NFL just getting the <laughs> best characters possible. Really, really making stand-up citizens. Um, all right. So we just talked about guys that we really like. When we come back, we're going to talk about guys whose stock plummeted due to the NFL draft. Stick around. Now we are back to talk about whose guys' stock went down the toilet. That was my best uh, toilet flushing sound effects. That was really bad. Whatever, it's fine. We're that's just going to let it roll. That's as bad as my Irish accent. <laughs> Holy crap. Thank God I am not an impersonator. Oh, my oh God. Jesus Christ. I'm going to get us started, and hopefully Please I can uh, live, uh, and, uh, live, live that down a little bit. Um, so my guy whose stock went through the crapper to start us off, this is a guy I was actually buying cheap in leagues because I thought he was going to explode was Daryl Henderson. You know, he's brought in the 2019 draft to compete with and one day replace Gurley. You know, he didn't have a great rookie year, but a lot of it was hype from college. And I still believe that hype is real. And I do think he will take another big step in his second year. I don't see this guy having a sophomore slump. It is hard to say, though, because he only, he only had 147 yards. On 39 attempts. But I think they just need to feed him the rock more. But the problem is, is now they have brought in Cam Akers, who thrives on being fed the rock. So, you know, you might see Henderson's playtime kind of dwindle if he doesn't really set the tone at the beginning of the season. And he's a little small for an RB at 5'8". It's going to be curious to see how they execute him but I think that his 2018 2018 season in Memphis when he was a junior and he had 1900 yards is not a fluke I just because the guy averaged 8.9 yards per carry granted he was in a soft American conference but I really do think feed my guy the rock and he (laughs) will do you wonders yeah, I don't hate Henderson. I actually like the addition of Cam and their the whole mentality of running backs is turning into this split backfield anyways. Um, the one positive side for Henderson owners is Akers isn't that good of a pass catcher. So he's going to get fed the rock a lot, but the way that the Rams deploy their offense and Henderson can catch the ball, I see him having an active role because of that. And so he could be the guy who's sort of the change of pace back for Jared Goff, who God knows needs a safety valve. Cause we all know that he's not the, you know, the bee's knees to say the least. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and last year it was Tyler Higby. Um, we saw it where Higby would have like 13 catches in a game down the stretch. So I don't really see why Henderson can't be deployed in a similar role. I mean, I, I think his stock went down for sure, but I wouldn't go throw, selling him for, you know, a fifth next year. Um, I'd hold on to him. Yeah, no, actually, that's that's really interesting. I actually just picked him up in a league, literally the the night the draft ended, and I traded. Oh my god, I traded Marlon Mack because I own Marlon. I picked up Marlon Mack in a bunch of leagues for some god unknown reason, and so I ended up ditching Marlon Mack for Daryl Henderson and a fifth round pick 
And I'm kind of happy with that return when it comes to Henderson because kid's still hella young. And as long as the Rams acknowledge that they have a perennial RB2 in the making, fantasy-wise, he could still be something. Yeah, and actually that's a perfect segue because <laughs> I think in in terms of who lost the most in this draft at the running back position – I don't think anybody else lost as much as Marlon Mack. I mean, mm-hmm. the stock on Mack is just dead. If you didn't sell him already, you're not going to sell him for anything. Um, maybe like a third next year if you're lucky. Jonathan Taylor is coming for Marlon Mack's job. There's many people, myself included, who believe that Jonathan Taylor was the most talented back in this draft. Do not kid yourself. Mack will not have a job by the end of this season. I wrote a note here that, Marlon Mack's journey in the NFL is very indicative of what Jordan Howard went through with the Chicago Bears. And I have both their stats up here that make me really realize how true that is. They both have a, um, so Mack has a 4.3 average yards per carry. Uh, Jordan Howard has a 4.4. So they're basically almost identical, right? Yeah. Um, they both have like 50, 60 yards per game. Um, they both get, you know, a decent amount of touchdowns every year, eight or nine. But they're both, you know, a thousand yards. If they hit that, that's their limit. They're not workhorse backs. They are great bruisers. They are a good combo. Um, but outside of that, I mean, once Mac is gone, I don't know if he ever has a starting job ever again. Yeah, you know what? I think that's interesting. I do think when you look at the play style of both Howard and Mack, they're downfield runners. Yes. They're not they're not guys who are going to juke you out. They're not going to hit you with the spin move. They're downfield runners. And the problem is is now that the now that the Colts brought in Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor is a downfield back, but the pro, or uh like a straight yard guy, but the problem is, is he cuts exceptionally better than Marlon Mack. Yeah, I don't think you could put Jonathan Taylor in a box. <laughs> no, no, exactly. So when it comes to rushing talent, it's easy to say that Jonathan Taylor is better than Mack, and when Mack's only gift is rushing, it puts a hindrance on him. Now, granted, I think Marlon Mack still can succeed somewhat for you this year as long as he's still keeping up with the pace that he was doing his last two years. However, I my biggest hope for Marlon Mack is that he somehow gets out of the Colts next year. Yeah. I think if he gets traded or if he gets released or whatever happens to him, if he can get out of that situation, I think he can still thrive for another team. Agreed. I, I definitely could see that. All right. Now, speaking of thriving, let's talk about a guy who had all the potential to thrive. This guy had a tremendous rookie season, regardless of the countless injuries he had. He's expected to take a huge step in his second year, but the guy couldn't stay on the field for his life. He's 22, so he still has the chance he could develop into something. But with, with Swift in front of him, I think on Johnson has become nothing. I think before you were looking at a potential RB2 for your team, and now he is definitely more of a flex option. Uh, eh, maybe, depending on how thin you are at your depth. Hopefully, he can stay involved in the offense, 
But the problem is, is while he still might be good at receiving, he's not terrible. Swift is going to be a better receiver. And, you know, we said this when we were talking about the rookies, but Swift came into Georgia and immediately competed with Michelle and, and Chubb, who were the proven guys in the backfield. So, you know, if Swift can do that and he comes into the NFL and repeats the same thing, I don't know where you're looking to carry on at the end of the season. Yeah, I think carry on's only hope is that he split carries more than anything else. And that might be good for the guy because he can't stay healthy anyways. And I think they could be an effective one-two punch. But for the people who are holding on hope that Johnson was going to become a workhorse back, that isn't happening at all. And it's actually funny because all these guys kind of fall under that same category. And in my opinion, this next guy up was the most bought supposed workhorse back this offseason. And I kept telling people he was not going to be a workhorse. I don't know how many times I said it, Luke. Luke, could you put a number on it? Enough times. I'll put this in example. You said it enough times that when I finally bought my first share and I traded for him. So the trade I made for him was I gave up Leonard Fournette. But when I took the guy on, I also had to receive a first with him. Yeah. Just because of how much Kyle hammered into my head, how scared I should be. Yeah. So if you don't know already, that running back is Devin Singletary of my Buffalo Bills. Now, Singletary might have lost out in fantasy, but this is one of the situations where what happened in the NFL and what's happening in real, you know, like like the actual game of football is so much better for the Buffalo Bills. Singletary is way too small to be a workhorse. He's 5'7". Like, it's just common sense. Moss is the perfect combination to go with Singletary. He's a big, bruising back, and he should be the thunder to Singletary's lightning. Now, my thing is this. So Singletary is still going to be productive from a fantasy perspective. But what you just saw last season, where he had, you know, almost 1,000 yards uh, between rushing and receiving, is probably his cap. So he's in RB2, but that's probably his cap. I don't think you're going to get RB1 numbers out of this guy. Yeah, no, I, I I hate to say it, but I do agree with you. I'm the type of guy, I'm an underdog believer. You know, I see a small guy coming to the league. I want him to succeed. You know, Singletary is only an inch taller than Tariq Cohen. But I saw more potential in Singletary than I saw. He's in just Cohen. so fun to watch. He is. He's a lot of fun to watch. And I still think he will provide your team with great potential. Just make sure. Even, don't buy into it. You will still probably see him high on the ADP. Yeah. Don't buy that ADP that he's at right now. If you can pick him up from somebody for cheap, sure. I better get him in the middle of the draft board. I love it. But don't buy him expecting an RB1 because he's not one. Get that through your head, everyone. I will say he was... The Bills have a better-than-average offensive line right now. Yes. And I think that did a really good job of kind of padding his stats a bit because I don't think I, – I could see Singletary being like a career average of 4.5 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. In his rookie season, he had 5.1 yards, which is pretty eye-popping. I think that's kind of why you saw him skyrocket up the, up the draft board. However, However, I will state this. 
If Moss comes into the situation in the same kind of capacity that Gore was in, maybe a tad more touches, I still think Singletary has a tremendous value. Mm-hmm. Just not in the first four rounds of your draft. Agreed. All right. So we have not only complimented current running backs, but now we've crapped on them, specifically going into next year. But I think it's also really important to talk about guys for 2020 and beyond. So coming up next, we are going to be highlighting guys that we love, not only for next season, but for the seasons following for your team. So make sure you stick around. Welcome back. So now we are talking guys who will carry your team past this next season. These are guys you can most likely take to the bank that they are going to put up huge numbers for you. So Kyle, why don't you get us started? Yeah, and it's important to note in this section, too, we wanted to pick some guys. Like, obviously, you can trust guys like Christian McCaffrey, but this would be pretty boring if we talked about Christian McCaffrey because, you know, we all know you can trust, you know, CMC for the rest of your life, basically. Like, we wanted to pick guys that we believe are going to be the workhorses to come for this next season and are prime for breakout and, you know, for the rest of their careers. So my first guy I want to talk about, this one might be controversial, but I'm still holding on hope for Darius Geis. <laughs> I think another year he enters and another year I stay believing that Geis is the real deal. The Redskins didn't take a running back in the draft, despite the fact that Geis cannot stay healthy. And the organization has stated multiple times that they believe in him. At the end of the day, if Geis is healthy, this kid is a beast. I think everybody probably knows that at this point. When he has been on the field, he has flashed some serious potential, averaging almost six yards per carry. And he had some, what he had, the one really good game where he had like 120 on the ground and 80 through the air or something like that. And it's a shame because that's all we really have on him. I think if he could stay healthy, he's a low-end RB2 and at the very least. But you can get him very late, so it's a very low-risk, high-reward situation. And if he does finally stay healthy, you have a workhorse, period. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. A big thing for me is you can have a guy who has 1,000 yards on the, on the ground, but it's more so what he does with every carry that matters. And in the 42 attempts that Darius guys had last season, he had 5.8 yards per carry. Yeah, it's just insanity. It's just insane. I mean, it's a small sample package, and I really do think that's why you haven't seen the Redskins pull what they like a carry on Johnson situation and bring in a high running back. <coughs> you know, they have Bryce Love behind Darius mm-hmm. guys yep. who could could be a threat to his touches if he can stay healthy because Love did have that gnarly ACL injury coming out of college. But if guys can stay healthy, this Redskins team is a sleeper to make the playoffs. Not just talking about guys, but the young core that they've created. Yeah, Let's start right here. At wide receiver, Scary Terry, my boy Terry McLaurin, and then Steven Sims Jr., who I think is ready for another big step in year two. And then you've got Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, Darius Geis at running back. That's your core you're building around for the next few years. And they signed Moss. 
And a lot of people don't realize that they signed Moss after the draft was over, and he should have been drafted. That could be an ultra steal for the Redskins. It really could be. You could see Moss just go boom and take off. And then so you've got this young core, and I will say Darius Geis will be the diamond of this young core. Easily going for years, he will be the diamond. Agreed. Now, transitioning from diamonds, oh, buddy, this guy, he gets my he gets my gears going. I do not own a single share of this next guy we're about to talk Me about. Me neither. I have tried <laughs> everything to get him, and that's Josh Jacobs. Holy crap, was this kid so hit or miss coming out of college? I had no idea if he was going to be the next big thing or a bust, but boy... If anybody thought he was a bust, looking at you, Kyle, you were dead wrong. <laughs> I did. I did. Actually, before you continue, you want to hear how bad this is? I was just looking at previous trades. I traded Josh Jacobs for Marlon Mack last year. Straight up? Yeah, I think there was like one other piece on it. I don't remember, but it was not a lot extra. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, see, that's and- dynasty for you. <laughs> there we go. See, that's why you got to be careful with these rookies because they could take off. So we look at Josh Jacobs in his first season. Granted, he missed three games. He still put up 1,100 yards, averaging 4.8 yards per carry, basically carrying the Oakland Raiders into prominence until he got injured. Before he got injured, a lot of people were saying, yo, the Raiders are a dark horse to make the playoffs. You know, they could really give Oakland a high note before they give them the bird and peace out. <laughs> so I think, like, Jacobs, I know he's going to be expensive. Buy. Buy the kid. And you want to know why I say buy, buy the kid? And this isn't something to do with stats. This is complete mentality. This is something you don't see in a lot of young guys coming out of college anymore. There is a difference playing hurt and playing injured. Last year, Josh Jacobs was injured and still got on that field and did everything he could to make his team successful. And that is the guy I want carrying my load in fantasy. Yeah, um, full pun intended. (laughs) No, but uh, yeah, no, I love Josh Jacobs this year, man, seriously. And it's important to note too, man, DeAndre Washington is gone, so no more of those one-yard touchdowns are going to be stolen from you because I know Washington, I think, had like four or five of those last year where, you you know, Jacobs would take the team down 80 yards and then it'd be on the one-yard line, and they'd be like, yeah, DeAndre, go run it in for one yard. And people would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, so luckily that's not going to happen anymore. The next guy, in my opinion, so on our list, we got two guys who are kind of um, controversial picks and two guys who are bona fide Take it to the bank. These are the workhorses of the future. And that's Miles mm-hmm. Sanders. I cannot – if I could convince you to get one guy at his price tag right now out of anybody that we talk about on the entirety of this podcast, it is Miles Sanders. He is absolutely primed 
for a breakout year. Joe Ho is gone. Besides Boston Scott, there isn't a competent back on the Eagles roster. And Boston Scott will have some sort of role. He proved that he deserves one. Don't get me wrong. But this kid's instincts and feel for the field are some of the best in the entire league. He's got a big frame and a decent weight. And honestly, I just think he's a foolproof pick. Barring injury, of course. He's a low-end RB1 with high-end RB1 potential. Top 10 bona fide this year. Lock it in. Yeah, easily. This guy will be going within the first two rounds of any of your startup drafts. And I think that's a big thing to note. He will be great. Yeah. There is no question about it. Regardless of the quarterback situation you're seeing in the Eagles locker room right now, this guy will be great. His stats prove it. He had 818 yards with Jordan Howard breathing down his neck the entire time. Yeah, and a lot, a lot through the air, too, as well. Another 500 through the air. Yeah, which is incredible. Look, this guy could be the next CMC. Mm-hmm. Because, look, Carson Wentz, great quarterback, but he doesn't necessarily have that cannon arm. So, kind of like how you saw with the, the situation in Carolina last year, Maybe you start to see him line up out on the slot more often. And maybe you start to see him line up in different positions. I do think this guy will succeed 100%. And now talking about guys who I am high on and I think will succeed. And I've been buying everywhere because right now he's dirt cheap. And if you're not buying him, I don't know what you're doing. Is David Montgomery for the Chicago Bears. Like, the Bears. (laughs) Like, this guy's primed for the breakout year. You know, he had an okay, okay rookie season. Yeah, he was really close to 900 yards, but he only averaged 3.7 yards per carry, which isn't great. I think the only thing holding him back is the Bears' play calling. If Foles wins the QB competition, he'll probably see a boost, but if he doesn't, ugh. We're going to have to see what happens. It also, a big thing, is making sure you give him the ball. Because in the first half of the season, the Bears really weren't doing that. They were withholding their running backs on their balls. And look, I know Cohen's there. He's a great change of back. I'm not saying David Montgomery is going to be a three-down back like I think Miles Sanders could be. But I do think... That Cohen's like threat isn't as high as people think it is. I think as long as you're giving David Montgomery the ball, like they started doing towards the end of the season, this guy's going to put up points and points and points. He is a lock to be an RB two on your team with really high RB one potential. And if Trubisky fails, they're going to keep feeding him the rock. So expect only good things. Yeah, that's a good point. Sorry for almost cutting you off there. I I love Monty a lot. I've been buying him a lot as well. I think you made some good notes on him and the feeding the rock thing is the biggest thing with Montgomery. He is the type of running back that as the game goes on, he gets better. Because when it comes to the third quarter, you don't want to fucking touch this guy. He's coming down, and he's he's built like a tank, man. And he's coming down the middle, and it's the third quarter. You're tired. It's raining. 
Nobody wants to touch this guy. So he has to touch the ball 20 times a game to be effective. So he's not really like a guy like Sanders and Josh Jacobs who could, you know, they really don't need potentially 20. They'll get 20, don't get me wrong. But you could give them three touches on the first drive of the game and they could immediately score. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just a, it's just a different mm-hmm. running back type, but that's why we want to give you a little, like some guys maybe that could fly under the radar more as opposed to just being like, Hey, yeah, trust CMC, Dalvin cook, like all those guys that you already know to trust. Yeah, exactly that. And because we care about our listeners so <laughs> much, when we come back, we're going to tell you the guys to avoid with a 10 foot pole. Like they have the coronavirus and you are scared crapless stick around okay and welcome back and we are now here to crap all over your running backs i think i'm gonna start us off i'm gonna talk about a guy i think it's super easy really to get into this one it's melvin gordon the third uh signed with the denver broncos in free agency on a two-year 16 million dollar deal We've said it before in this podcast, and we will reiterate it again. His landing spot on the Broncos made no sense. He is now competing with Royce Freeman and Lindsey for touches. And there is a good chance they will steal a good amount of touches and snaps from him. He is hyped up to be this really talented back. But you will see that he is going to be exposed this year. He's extremely slow off the snap and averages a abysmal yards per carry last year, especially at 3.8. He's a career 4.0 yards per carry guy. But in every season, except for one, he's averaged 3.9 yards per carry or less. He'll probably enter this season as a potential RB2. You'll probably get him as a steal in the first 10 rounds of your draft, but you will watch his stock plummet as Lindsay and Freeman start to progressively get more work as this man gets exposed. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of the signing. I already said that before in the past. Um, I think that the Broncos had a nice tandem with Lindsay and Freeman that did pretty good last year. I just didn't really get bringing in Gordon, I guess, the only, you know, thing you could say is that Lindsay isn't the greatest pass blocker, but you're really going to pay a guy $8 million a year just because he can maybe pass block a little better than what you already have rostered when what you have rostered is probably more talented than what you're bringing in. The whole situation just didn't make sense to me. I think that it's just a big loss in general more than anything else, and I'm not a big fan. I'm not, I'm not drafting Gordon anywhere. Yeah, no, he is uh, he is a huge no-no for me. The only way I would pick up Gordon is if somebody hit me up and said, "Here's, I'll take a fifth-round pick for him. Other than that, I don't see any value to the kid, and I really do think that he should be left alone for as long as possible. Leave him on an island, destroy the plane, and never go back. That yep. is my opinion of Melvin Gordon. Agreed. And a back who's actually very similar to him and somebody I already kind of touched on earlier when I brought up Marlon Mack, uh, somebody I just, I can't stand going forward. And it breaks my heart because Jordan Howard was a guy that I was really high on after his rookie season in Chicago, but I can't hide from the truth anymore. Cause it's, 
you know, staring me in the fucking face. Uh, he is not what the league is anymore. I think Miami Dolphins bringing in Matt Breida in the middle of the 2020 draft was a awesome addition, a really under the radar move that Miami did. And I think that Breida is going to be the workhorse in that backfield very soon. He's been on a slow decline since his rookie season. I think he enters this season as an RB3 if you're lucky. Uh, if he has a big game like he normally does once a year where he gets like three random touchdowns for some reason, try to flip him after one of those games midseason. Um, <laughs> and that's honestly – that's all I can really say on the guy. I, I just – I don't think he's ever going to be a workhorse again. He'll get you some yards. He's very much like Marlon Mack. He's very much like Melvin Gordon. They're not what the league is anymore. And that's just it at the end of the day. These guys will fade into existence soon, these type of backs. Yeah, you know what? And it sucks. I really like Jordan Howard coming out of college. And I really liked him after his first two seasons with – the Bears, mm-hmm. and he had an okay third season with the Bears, but I guess it was like David Montgomery was there. It was just time to move on, and ever since then, he's just been getting the short end of the stick, and it really sucks because the guy averages 4.3 yards per carry. That's pretty impressive, but you know what? I think when it comes down to it, he just doesn't have the pass-catching capabilities that are needed in today's NFL to succeed, and with Tua... Tabuga Bugaba, last name. <laughs> uh, coming in to be the starting quarterback, you're really going to see that he's going to really start losing his job. He will be an okay flex option when you have guys who are on bye week or are injured, but other than that, he really shouldn't be started. Another guy who I think is just another flex option is Kareem Hunt. You know, you've seen a lot of people taking him pretty early in drafts. But um, something Kyle keeps saying, and I'm going to reiterate it, is people keep forgetting that this is Chubb's world and Kareem is just living in it. He will have use in pass-catching situations because Chubb can't catch the ball. But when it comes down to it, Chubb's ability to drop the shoulder and march down the field will make Kareem Hunt extinct in the offense unless he's catching balls. So PPR leagues, Kareem Hunt still has some value. Just make sure you're not buying him too high because if you if there are better guys on the board and you take Kareem Hunt, I promise you those better guys will burn you come the end of the season. Yeah, I'll say two points on Hunt. First off, Chubb is the best pure runner in the league in my opinion. You're not going to, he's not going to dethrone Chubb. So anybody who has that in their head is just crazy because he is the best. Don't kid yourself. And my second point is this, like, I think we already mentioned him on the show briefly. Chubb's floor this season is very similar to that of somebody like Naeem Hines, who you can get for dirt cheap, probably off the waivers. After I think you mean, I think you mean, I think you mean Kareem Hunt, not Chubb. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm at there. Hunt. Yeah, 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 my bad. I'm sorry. Yes, um, yeah, yes, that's Chubb's floor. Yes, no, no. Yeah, so Kareem Hunt's floor this season is. That of Naeem Hines, who you could get probably 15 to 20 rounds later if you're in a big draft or if you're in a smaller draft, you could probably just snag him off the waivers. And he'll do the same exact thing that I think Kareem Hunt can do this season. So just don't don't overspend because people are doing it and it's just not wise. Yeah, you will you will see a lot of guys take him just because of name value. And don't get me wrong. 
I still think the guy has potential, but what happened when he was in Kansas City with the incident with the woman and the elevator and Kareem Hunt deciding that he was going to be an NFL kicker and not a smart, respectful young man proves that he will never be anything in this league. And I don't even know why the Browns took a chance on him. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't let him walk. Definitely not a fan of that for my Nick Chubb shares, but it is what it is because I have so many of those. <laughs> uh, this next guy, and I wrote a note here, and I think it's only fair that we started off by saying this. Oh, how far the mighty have fallen. Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell, the absolute king of fantasy a couple of years ago, is somebody I would avoid with a 10-foot pole at this point. After five seasons of pure domination at the position and easily, in my opinion, was the best running back in the league during that span, Bell is now in a weird situation where his head coach has a running back rostered who's being paid to be a workhorse, but he doesn't want to use him like one. So I think this is something to take note of. Running backs and holding out don't go hand in hand. Gordon and Bell both ended up in worse situations and are on our list right now because of their holdouts. Now 28 years old, Bell is quickly approaching the 30-year-old cliff where you know running back production dips. And it's just sad to say, but Bell's best days are behind him. And that's the truth. Yeah, it, you know what? I think the, the thing to do with Bell right now, if you own him, is take that name value that comes with him and sell. Mm -hmm. Sell for whatever you can get. Because you know what? By the time he hits 30, he will be a shell of the former guy he was. He will never in that New York offense be the receiving threat that he once was. And his rushing stats, because you got to remember, the Steelers have an amazing offensive line, especially from 2016 to 2017. They had the best line in the league, you know, and now the Jets have a terrible line. He averaged 3.2 yards per carry. You might as well take that cat that was on the field running around in the end zone last season and give him the ball for New York because he'll average the same amount of yards per carry, probably more than Le'Veon Bell. I forgot about that cat situation. That was one of the best moments of last season. I don't know how I forgot that. That was awesome. <laughs> that was incredible, just watching the cat, like, dart, and nobody could catch him. You know, that's some elusiveness that, uh, frankly, Le'Veon Bell just doesn't have anymore, and that's okay. Running backs get older. You don't see a lot of guys after the age of 30 really keep going and pounding the gears. Like, I mean, in the last decade, I think the two that come to mind are Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore. Other than that, it's really kind of hard to think of anybody who, after they pass the age of 30, consistently put up the same numbers that they did when they were below the age of 30. Yeah. Gore, I feel like, is just the exception of it. I think he had so many seasons where he was like, almost like Marlon Mack status where it's like just a thousand yards. And this is what we're talking about. Where we're saying guys like Jordan Howard and Marlon Mack aren't what the league is anymore, because I think Jordan Howard, if you put him in a bubble and throw him back 15 years, he's a back in this league for 10 seasons, like and of starter for 10 seasons. You know what I mean? But it's just, it's not what mm-hmm. the league is anymore. Like Gore had very similar numbers to what they have at, you know, this stage in their career, but yet he was a workhorse for, Jesus, I don't even know how many years. Feels like for life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just, it's just the league's changed, man. And these are the guys who are losing out because of it. 
100%. When we come back, we bring on a special guest to talk running backs and his opinions on them. And hopefully, he's a little nicer to them than we have been in this past segment. So make sure you stick around. All right, guys. So welcome back. You know the drill by now. Uh, we got our next guest on, a good guy named Jacob Wilson. He plays a lot of fantasy football with us. Uh, how you doing today, big guy? Hey, doing all right, man. How you guys doing? Doing, doing good. Doing good. Was just uh, munching some uh, Doritos before we got started. Now they're caught in my teeth. So, uh, nah, we're doing fine. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you on. Uh, just get started and roll into things. Uh, we're talking all things running backs on this episode. So we already covered a lot of things, but we just want to hear in your, you know, you know, off the top of the head, you know, maybe who your favorite running back going into this year is. Maybe somebody who isn't completely obvious, like a Christian McCaffrey or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um Running back, obviously one of the one of the main ones would be Ezekiel Elliott. What Dallas did on the adding adding uh, CD Lamb, man, it's going to be hard to stop them. Um, I know that's a that's a fairly obvious one, but uh, another one I think I think David Johnson has a solid bounce back year. Um, Ooh, Houston, interesting. They really don't know how to use the Duke Johnson at all. They can't use him as a primary back. Nobody can. Um, he really has no competition in Houston. He's he's the main guy. Um, they've got a decent set of receivers. I know they gave up Nuke for pennies, but, but they've got a decent set of receivers down there. Duke, go ahead. Yeah, that's an interesting take because I'm not particularly high on David Johnson. Uh, I think he's kind of washed, but I could see uh, the viewpoint that he could potentially do something this year. Absolutely. I like him this year pretty well, pretty well. Well, the good part about if you do want to take a chance on a guy like David Johnson, you can get him pretty late and pretty cheap right now as well. So you don't have to throw out like excess capital in order to get this guy like you would have had to even last offseason. Exactly. Yeah, last offseason, man, I saw him go. I think personally myself, I traded a first or two for him last offseason. But now it seems like you can get him for a 21 second, which – if you're lucky and he he pops off for your team, that's going to be a late second. So that's a that's just a steal in my opinion. Luke, any thoughts on David Johnson? I know you're not a fan. I mean, like <laughs> I feel he had his moments in the sun. I feel like now he's just a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man type running back, <laughs> just bloated, can't really move. Um, you know what? Hopefully his career gets revived. But you know what? If you're looking for a career revival in a guy, I don't think Bill O'Brien's going to be the dude uh, to do it you know jake i do have a question for you though so out of all the running backs who are in the league right now not talking rookies who just came in but all the guys who have been in the league for at least a year who do you think has bust written all over their forehead this year alone gonna be unpopular but i think christian mccaffrey has bust written all over him oh no way what i do i do how can you replicate that season he averaged what seemed like what 25 points a game not even bro i think like 30 points a game like i got 32 in some formats if you're ppr and you know high score exactly so are you are you saying he's gonna go from the best the best fantasy player to like middle of the pack, or are you saying he's going to completely drop off the map? I'm not going to say middle of the pack, but I do believe that he drops down probably out of the top five this year alone. Wow. 
I, you know what? That's why we love having the guests on because me and Luke are uh, CMC uh, fanboys, basically. So we <laughs> we'd ride on him all day. I don't see that happening personally, just because I think CMC is an exception to the cliffs and the rules around running backs. But I could see the point uh, you make because it's interesting. I make a very similar point about Lamar Jackson when we talked about quarterbacks a couple episodes ago mm-hmm. about how everything he did this season was unrealistic to repeat. So I think somebody in the right mind state could make a very similar argument for CMC. Although I'll probably ignore it and still take him one point one. Exactly. I, I think he's I, he's he's worth that pick. He he's a solid long term option. But man, I just see there there's so many good players this year. You got Zeke, you got Barkley, Kamara, um, even Dalvin Cook. I think I don't think he holds out. Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon. There's just so many solid solid running backs. I just think he slips out of that top five for for only a year. I think he. He pops back up in there, but I think new quarterback, um, DJ Moore is going to hog all the targets this year, I believe. I think he slips right out of there. It's a nice See, I, I mean, in my opinion, you said Alvin Kamara is going to have a good season. I think if anybody's going to bust, it's going to be Alvin Kamara for you fantasy-wise because, I mean, at least CMC's proven the guy can rush for 1,000 yards. He's like he is a all-around running back, whereas if I look at Kamara – I look at a guy who's exceptional in the passing game, but his run game is so weak that they have to have another guy right behind him, like a Mark Ingram or Latavius Murray, just to be able to march down the field because he can't do it. I see where you're coming from. I do. But how many games he missed last year? I believe four games he missed. Yeah. 171 attempts, 797 yards. I think think you give him those extra four games – I think he busts over a thousand yards. Probably comes close to twelve hundred if 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 he's lucky. Has a couple good games, and then you add the the receiving threat on top of that. Eighty one receptions, five hundred thirty three yards. I think he has a couple more touchdowns next year. Only one last year. I think he I think he's the guy in New Orleans alongside uh, Michael Thomas. And they just I mean they've got Jameis Winston as the backup now. He's they're set on quarterback for for a while when they re-sign him. Well, I don't know what they're doing, man, because they signed Winston. To be fair, they only signed Winston to a one-year, $1 million deal. Mm-hmm. Like They got him on a steal. But they signed Taysom Hill to a two-year, $21 million contract for a guy who's thrown less balls than Johnny freaking Hecker. He's also thrown less completions to Saints players. Then Jameis Winston has. I believe it was Jameis <laughs> yeah, Winston. Had, I saw that. Had nine. Yeah. I saw that stat. Nine, <laughs> Hill had seven. That's an insane stat. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing there. That is hilarious, honestly. I think I think you bring up a good point because I actually I like Kamara a lot this year and I like Zeke a lot this year. And what I'm finding is people are undervaluing Zeke. I don't really know why, but I have found that you can get him later in drafts than I think I've ever seen before for the guy. And now that the Cowboys offense has another receiving threat, I just think the world opens up for Zeke even more. Um, I know, you know, they're going to be pass heavy, but every time they do well and have a good season, it starts and ends with Ezekiel Elliott. So as long as they stick to that mantra, I think he's a foolproof top five player. 
Yeah, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying there, Kyle. But, you know, it's it's funny. I've actually been selling Zeke everywhere I've gotten him. I know. Just be, just because what my fear <laughs> is. And you know what? Zeke is a generational talent. And he's probably He probably will go down as one of the best running backs to play the game. But in my opinion, with all this Dak stuff going on right now and him, like, just wanting to get paid, what's, what you're going to see is Dak getting cocky and starting to try to throw deep balls more often, especially with the receivers that are around him now. So I'm getting nervous about Zeke. So I'm actually selling him for the highest bidder and I'm grabbing all the assets I can for Zeke rather than holding on to him. Uh, Jake, you want to touch this one? <laughs> oof, oof. This, this one, this one strikes home. I'm a huge Cowboys fan. So I definitely, I definitely get the both sides of the perspective. You want to sell him while he's hot. But I I, th- I do think a lot of people are selling him cheaper because they, they want to kind of – how people sell Julio Jones, they say he has one or two years left. Yeah, but those those years are going to be – they're top five, top three. I think, like you said earlier, open CeeDee Lamb opens up a world of possibilities. They can't just stack the box and, and rush Dak and Zeke anymore. They have to play outside. They've got I – do, I do believe Dak, he gets a little cocky, throws it down the field a little more. But, I mean, Zeke's going to get 10, 15, 20 touches every game no matter what on top of whatever he gets in the passing game. He improved his passing uh, – his receptions last year. I believe he almost doubled them from the year prior. So, I do think – I think Zeke's a top top three guy. Could finish his running back one this year. Yeah, I would agree with that. As far as, you know, we're talking about favorite running backs and, you know, all the likes and we talked a little bit on bus. Uh, as far as the rookies go coming into this year – who do you think maybe has, you know, monster year written all over him? And I'd l- like it if maybe you'd avoid uh, Clyde Edwards just because everybody wants to pick him. And then just like who you think um, maybe could bust at the position. Okay, yeah, I do I do think uh, I could see how Clyde is a, it's a popular pick, but I do think Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. um, to the Colts, that was the, that was the perfect storm all offseason, you see. Whoever goes to the Colts is running back one, running back one. They have a top five offensive line. I think T.Y. Hilton gets back and uh, Phillip Rivers going there kind of helps him a little bit even more because he has somewhat of, a, of an outside threat. It's not just a run game there. Um, I've, I've personally compared him to, to Zeke 2.0. You know, He had a bit of a fumbling issue in college, but, man, he was an absolute workhorse. I just I don't see him finishing outside top three rookies. I could see him finishing top, top ten rookies running backs overall I, that would not surprise me one bit yeah i don't think that's a stretch at all and to be fair it wasn't a little bit of a fumbling issue it was a pretty big one like you know like i think <laughs> we was, talked about it, it already but um i think it was like 30 something fumbles over the course of his career which is that's a lot man and that will get you off the field as luke knows all too well with chris carson last season <laughs> oh man i don't i don't want to get into that one that, that's a that's a that's a that's a bag of nuts that i unfortunately don't want to be putting my hand in right now um but i you know what jake i do have a question for you to get off the topic of chris carson you know there's there's a theory out there that when running backs get paid their production completely slips off the map i'm curious to get your take on it and how that perspective might play into your uh, picks and fantasy. I've seen it. I've seen it all. I've seen, you know, Zeke got paid. His number stayed the same. I, I personally think there's a, a upper echelon of running backs that you pay, and that's 
Zeke, Christian McCaffrey deserved his his contract, obviously. You know, Barkley, Kamara. I think Cook should get his contract. I think uh, Henry should get his contract. But outside of that, man, I I just don't see it. I I don't I don't really think it's worth it because you guys, you got guys Keyshawn Vaughn fell to Tampa Bay, DeAndre Swift even in the second round of Detroit. I think he was running back one. You can just get such a premium of running backs, even later in the rounds or later in the draft that it's a it's a need. But you can just force feed the ball to a lot of people and they'll pick up yards one way or another. I just I I don't see it being worth it unless you have the top top five top six running back in the league. Yeah. Um, that it it kind of plays into my into my fantasy strategy strategy a little bit. Um, I actually I target the the upper running backs in their contract year. Joe Mixon, everybody's getting rid of him. I've seen him go for I think it was pick five in a rookie draft and pick four in a rookie draft. I'm taking that all day. I think he gets paid whether it's by Cincinnati or somebody. So that that's kind of how I play it into my into my you strategy. You have some really good takes there. We actually we both talked to Mixon a storm already on this episode yeah. because we believe <laughs> he is the type of guy you can get for way too cheap right now. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But what you say is interesting because so I get the point where you're saying oh only pay the top five or top six, but when the Rams paid Gurley, he was the best running back in the league. So it's just it's a difficult question. You know what I mean? Because you already bring up the point exactly. of Christian McCaffrey potentially falling off, which I don't see happening. But with the way that this position works, I mean, nobody thought Gurley wouldn't be in a Ram at this point in his career. If you asked me three years ago where Gurley would be right now, I would I would think he'd still be in LA. You know what I mean? Like so it's it's exactly just, it's the it the position is so toxic almost. I think that's the only way to say it. And the sad part is a lot of these guys get drafted in later rounds and they don't get good paydays. And when they finally do get paid, they already have so much wear and tear on the tires that they never live up to the expectations of that payday, but they didn't get paid enough in the first place. Does that make sense? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I do think, I think the days of uh, drafting running backs early, I think they're out the window. Zeke and Barkley, even I think went too early. I think Jalen Ramsey should have been the pick for Dallas and, you could argue going – I mean, now you could argue Lamar Jackson for um, New York, of course, but I, I think they were taken a little too early. They don't get paid enough. I think they get ran into the ground way oh, yeah. too much. You, you know, you give you give a fourth-round pick 150 carries a year. I mean, by the time he hits the year four, he's got wear and tear. He's 26 years old. He's not worth the $10 million a year that he wants. Yeah, exactly. Know? And not only that, but then they can give you a fifth year option and then they can tag you like five times in a row. Like that he did to bell. Exactly. Um, you know, I do have another question. Uh, this one's regarding the Washington Redskins. So, you know, during the draft, they go and pick up Peyton Barber. So now their backfield is stacked with Darius guys, Peyton Barber, uh, Bryce Love, and I'm pretty sure Adrian Peterson's still on yeah, the he roster. He signed two more years. He is. I don't know. I don't know how yeah, he yeah. signed a two-year contract somehow. <laughs> so, so going into drafting, how are you evaluating each running back in that now crowded backfield? I, I ignore it, man. It's. It's not worth it. I've 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 seen rumors of 
Darius Geis getting cut because of his Twitter antics, and then you've got 55-year-old Adrian Peterson who just ran for, what was it, 800 yards, close to 1,000 yards, and then they get Anthony McFarland Jr., or I'm sorry, uh, Antonio Gibson, and I think he, he's a solid running back. I, I think he could, could be something in the league, but I'm not wasting any early picks on him. If they fall later rounds, I'm grabbing them all day, but, but I've seen guys, he's still going in fourth round startups and that's just way too early for me yeah this is a tough one for me i'm a big fan of guys and i'm still very high on the guy i would never take him in the fourth round of a startup if i can get him in the rounds eight to ten i think that's a sweet spot for the guy and i'll take that all day because at the end of the day everyone that's in that backfield right now is a fraction of the talent that Darius Geis is, no matter who, who it is in that. I agree. And, and I get it. Adrian Peterson in the past is way better than what he, you know, Geis is obviously, but I'm more so saying in the current state, it is now. Mm-hmm. Geis is clearly the most talented back back uh, in the backfield. It's just a whole matter of health. It's really sad what's actually happened to him. man. Every time he touches the field, he looks like a superstar and it's just like, through a weird chain of events, he has these freak injuries that are keeping Yeah, completely unlucky. Yeah, dude. Like the one last season, what was it? Like the guy fell on the back of his ankle, basically? Yeah, and, and it tore his ACL or something. Yeah, was, and you could tell insane. the second it happened, it, it happened. Like the second it – I was like, oh, great. Like the second I'm finally like, oh, great. I'm right about guys. He's ready to go. I'm putting him <laughs> in all my lineups. Like, and then just exactly. out. <laughs> I think – I do think one – um one thing with Washington, if they're gonna if they're gonna heal their players, guys is is if I'm counting on anybody's medical squad, I don't know if you saw Alex Smith's leg. They oh. saved that leg, man. If they can save that leg, they can they can give him two new ACLs in a heartbeat. <laughs> it's it's insane, man. Man, save his leg. They saved his it life. Insane. Holy crap! That leg was disgusting. And you know what? That's hilarious because. I was talking to my buddy Aiden about this, and Aiden's a huge Redskins fan. So uh, what Aiden told me was that the day Alex Smith's leg got injured, it was that day to the year when Theismann's leg got injured. It was the same exact injury and needed the same exact surgery. How crazy is that? Weirdest, weirdest coincidence I have seen. That stuff like that makes you think way too much about oh, like, yeah. like life and the universe and how things work because that is so many different uh, variables to be exactly the same. It's like, dude, what are the odds of that? One in a billion? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just insane. You probably have a better odds of getting struck by lightning than anything like that ever happening in your lifetime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, but the, but then the question goes with that injury, like you know, Theismann was in his 40s when he had that injury. Alex Smith was 33 when he got that injury. So do you think there's still a chance he comes back? I, I think he's done. I think it's not worth it for him. He's getting paid by the Redskins either way. I think he slides into a into a leadership role with the Redskins, whether that's coaching, front office, you know, anything like recruit or um yeah, recruiting or whatever. Wherever I think he stays with that Washington organization some way, just not as a player. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So I know when we were talking before, we talked about your favorite rookie, and I actually did mention too, oh, we didn't get your bus pick for that. We kind of just flew over that. But... Bust pick? Um, For the rookie running back position anyways. Okay, okay. I, I, I could see 
Clyde uh, Hilaire, Ed, Edwards Hilaire, he could be a, an obvious bust because of the, the pass protection. William should have won Super Bowl MVP if Patrick freaking Mahomes wasn't behind center. Um, but, a, but a more unpopular one I heard you guys talk about, I think J.K. Dobbins doesn't have as, as big of a year as people think. I think <laughs> I, I, know, I know Baltimore ran it 2,000 times last season, but Mark Ingram's got a year or two left. I think he's solid there. Um, they got uh, Brown at wide receiver. Lamar Jackson's going to run it 150 times this year. You know, I don't. I don't think he gets an immediate impact this year. Uh, yeah, no. You know what? I actually, <laughs> I don't hate that take. So, uh, if everybody on the show probably already knows, I'm a Dobbins. Uh, I'm obsessed with Dobbins. I don't really know how to put it into words. I fucking love the guy. Um, but you know, when it comes to him. I don't think that's that bad of a take, honestly, because I'm taking him. I don't really expect him to have the most gigantic impact this year. I'm taking him because he's my favorite running back in the draft after this season. You know what I mean? Because of his situation. Mm -hmm. And I think Ingram will do a lot this year, but don't kid yourself. Dobbins is going to get on the field. They didn't take him in the second round just for him to sit behind a 30-year-old Ingram. Oh, yeah. I I definitely think he gets on the field, but I think it's more um... (laughs) – Late game situations get him warmed up. I think, but I think next year, man, he he's going to take off in that offense. He, I think they either get rid of Mark Ingram, he retires, whatever it is. I'm not sure his contract situation, but man, I think I think Dobbins got it next year. But this year, I just don't see it. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. Then, um, I guess you know, just moving on. Yeah. Uh, I uh, know we just covered some busts that might happen, and I could see, I guess, J.K. Dobbins, if you're looking from a one-year perspective more than anything else. Luke, do you have anything to say on that before we move on from this topic? On uh, Bilbo Dobbins? <laughs> um, you know, you know, um, it's, it's puzzling for me because on the one hand, I think the Baltimore Ravens need a strong running back to pair with their strong running back at quarterback. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, I feel like there, people are closing the window on Ingram too soon. I still think Ingram has a couple years left in him where he's going to be productive. I don't see him falling off as fast as people think he's going to be. And another thing is, is that Gus the Bus Edwards, you know, has put up in the two seasons he's been in the league has put up 700 plus yards each season. So to say that that guy doesn't even uh, strike a threat to Dobbins value would be an understatement. So I think that you've got a crowded backfield and then you add the fact that Lamar Jackson's basically a glorified running back (laughs) with the ball in his hand. I mean, like you're basically talking about the most crowded backfield in all of football and where does Dobbins really slide into that in his first year or two? You know, I'm not one to answer that question because I have no idea. Thank God I don't have to worry about those questions because it's a good point. There's a lot of talented mouths to feed in the Ravens offense in general, more than anything else. Um, I guess moving on, uh, just want to get your takes on maybe what the outlook on the position is in general. I know you mentioned a little bit earlier how you think uh, a lot of these guys are going to be disposable. Is that going to be the cycle moving forward, you think? I think so. I, I see a lot of um, of takes on Twitter saying it's going running back by committee, running back by committee. This, but uh, I don't see that too much. I think I think these guys they they keep 
doing well. Um, I mean, I think it was Mixon and the, the Kamara class. They all exceeded expectations, and, and they were second, third, fourth-round picks. I think that just the trend keeps going. I don't see any difference now than than what it's been. I think uh, it's you have 9, 10, 12 workhorses and a couple running back by committees here, but I don't, I don't see it uh, transitioning away from that anytime soon. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I guess just to wrap things up, because we're getting towards the end here, uh, we'd love to get, you know, maybe uh, your fantasy season recap and maybe who was like your MVP for the season. Somebody who like maybe you got him late on waivers, maybe nobody wanted him and you got him. Um, who's that guy who comes to mind? Um, Fantasy season wise, uh, one championship is going to be from this guy, Kenyon Drake. Nobody wanted him <laughs> ever. Everybody got rid of him, and man, I scooped him up cheap. Of course, I had Chase Edmonds and David Johnson. Little did I expect this man is going to be, I believe he was top five running back the last couple weeks. He just was insane. Won me a championship, you know, got me the money I wanted. So I can't complain from him anymore. Man, Luke, you're going to be beating yourself up for a long time about Kenyon Drake. Because now this is the, <laughs> he is the this only is the second reason. guy we brought on who said Kenyon Drake when he said it was the reason why he won championships. And Luke traded him for peanuts. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? My whole thinking was I traded him to the – so in this league, I built, I built probably one of the best fantasy lineups you will ever see in this league. And I had Chris Carson, so oh. I needed Rashad Penny behind him. Uh, and so I was like, so I hit up the kid who was in second. I'm like, yo, like, what do you want for Penny? And he goes, I'll do Kenyon Drake. I'm like, okay, but I want a fifth round pick <laughs> if you're giving me Penny. <laughs> so you want Jalen Hurts along with Penny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, bro, but here's the thing. That fifth round pick I got from him, I know for a fact I never traded and it's just oh. gone. It's gone. I don't even have it anymore. So it doesn't even matter. Jalen Hurts isn't even in the conversation you know what anymore actually happened? my team. Look, so this I'm... is what actually happened. The real trade was just Penny for Drake. You just fabricated the fifth-round pick to justify it to yourself a little more in your brain. <laughs> no way. No way. There is absolutely no way that's true. If that's the case, I am, like, shocked. I have to check this right now. Like I, I am going on flea flicker. All right, well, I while you check that, right I guess now. I'll ask Jake just one last question. Deep sleeper at the position, man. Deep sleeper. I'm going to go rookie. You guys might like it. DJ Dallas. Oh, In Seattle. I think, I think Rashad Penny, he, I don't believe he's supposed to come back first part of the season. Chris Carson's a tweak away from being gone. Who else do they got in the backfield? You know, Marshawn Lynch isn't there anymore. <laughs> I think DJ Dallas is he could be the guy. He was a, a late round pick, but I loved his talent coming out of college. Ooh, I'll let you touch this, Luke, because that's your world. Well, what were we talking about? Sorry, I was looking he said, for this, uh, uh, no was worries. Looking for he said trade. DJ Dallas is his deep sleeper. Uh, you know what? I don't think Dallas uh I don't think Dallas is a terrible pick. I think he'll provide some depth, but because they didn't move the two guys ahead of him, there's absolutely you know, no way that uh there's no way that it pans out. I, I don't know. He'll be okay depth. As long as nobody gets injured. I mean, he'll 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 be off the team within three years. Oh, you, think, you, you think they re sign Carson? 
I think, yeah. I think unless another running back, I you know, they've been linked to, to Fournette Ooh, yeah. for so long now. If they don't scoop him up in a trade or sign another guy in free agency, Carson's coming back to the team, and that's fine. He's a thousand yard rusher. I'm not gonna comp- you know complain about that. What's there to complain? The guy's like clearly mm-hmm. something, but like I, I don't think Dallas provides anything in that uh in that. All backfield. right, well, interesting nice. take. Before we wrap this up, I want to hear: Did you find the trade yet, Luke? Because I want to hear if this is all a fabrication <laughs> of your imagination more than anything else. Oh, we're getting <laughs> close to it. I've made. I, I'm starting to realize how many trades I've yeah, made. Yeah, you make a lot league. of trades, and afterwards your um, team doesn't look the same. You're doing the same thing in the league that me and Jake are both in. I don't know how many trades he's already at, Jake. Do you have a ballpark idea? For uh, which league? Which league? Rick and Morty. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm over 20. Yeah. That league I traded. I've got rookie picks. I've got Debbie picks. They're everywhere. Yeah, Luke's man. over 20 as well. And actually, fun Ooh. fun fact, me and Jake right now, just so you guys know, are in a 96-man, eight-copy auction right now. Uh, it's all Pokemon-themed, and it's uh, it's an utter shit show. It is just a mess. Yeah, I, I can't even – I can't put a word on what that auction is right now. How's your – Okay. Okay. So I I found I found the trade. Sorry to interrupt. I found the trade. So it was I gave I I gave up Kenny and Drake and received Rashad Penny and the twenty twenty five point one. So the last pick in the rookie draft. <laughs> Basically nothing. Mister. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, as he just said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think we'll wrap it up on that note. Um, Jake, thanks for coming on, man. It was a blast. We're really happy to have you. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, man. All right, and welcome back. Thank you, Jake, for coming on and giving us your insight on his running backs. Kyle, what do you got to say right now, buddy? Uh, Not much, really. Uh, It was another successful episode. It's been a really fun week for us. Things are really starting to come together, and I'm just excited more than anything else. I think it's going to be a lot of fun this summer. Uh, We plan on doing an individual team breakdown which should be extremely exciting. Talking about some of the worst teams in the league will be really fun, I'm sure. And I think our plan for bring on a fan for every episode and basically see how much me and Luke can piss him off or her <laughs> off. <laughs> but before but before we get into the whole team breakdown, next episode, we are going to talk. So you've been invited to your first fantasy league. What now? And we're going to bring on a guest who's just gotten into Dynasty, and we're going to break it down how you should handle your first rookie draft, how you handle your first startup draft, and the big keys to know. Yeah, and the biggest, in my opinion, if it's IDP, uh, some tips. You know, don't take corners early. I'll just say that right away. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like everybody you say that to takes corners hella early. Yeah, you know what? I'll slam that down people's throat till the day I die until they start listening or I keep taking their money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Catch us next Monday for episode five. And thank you.